HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're here on a very rainy, kind of gloomy Monday in Brooklyn at Roberta's. Um, but, you know, rainy days call for a little projects in the kitchen. That's what I, that's the way I see it. Rainy um, days let you have some guilty pleasures while you sit at home and watch movies. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a long project maybe just to roll up your sleeves in. Um, so I've got a guest on today who you just heard from, and she is the author of a great new book that's so fun and it's like perfect for those rainy days um it is called classic snacks made from scratch and it's casey barber hi hi so you might recall you might recognize uh casey's uh i don't know voice uh, maybe not voice but you might she, recognize whatever. my voice from my writing voice which are more yeah. or less one in <laughs> the same Thank you for helping me out there. Um, yeah, she is the brains behind goodfoodstories.com, a great blog, uh, three and a half years old, right? Yeah, just about. And this is your first book. It is. And how, what inspired it? Like, so, you know, this is a really fun topic. And um, if I can just quickly summarize it, it's like all these famous, you know, nostalgic treats, snacks, Oreos, stuff like that. Um, Cheetos <laughs> that you made from scratch. Yes, nostalgia is the big buzzword and sort of inspiration behind the book and also my bad habits and my husband's <laughs> bad habits because we both really love junk food, but I won't allow myself to eat too much of it anymore. But mm -hmm. he happens to come home from Target where we spend a lot of our time in the suburbs <laughs> with, you know, Oreos and Doritos. And I'm like, you cannot have that in the house. 
I, I will eat that entire bag of Doritos if you leave it around. He's like, well, fine, just just make me some then. So, okay, I'll make you some, no problem. That's kind of, I, and it's fascinating because I wouldn't even know where to start. I didn't know where to start. I yeah. really didn't. It started off um, just as sort of kitchen experiments, and right. I, I tried some cheese whiz and that was really easy to do cheese whiz okay because there's really no structure to that you're just fiddling with sauces uh-huh. and then you start doing things with structure like cheese its which are essentially a very very cheesy pie crust yeah well that's yeah that sounds more like a you know like a cheese cracker um or what is it when you like just take parm and just put it on a a frico yeah one of my favorite things you yeah. just grate some cheese and then like bake it until it's crispy yeah yeah. Well, like all these things are inspired by classic foods. Right. And to when, be sure. And you think about, you know, an Entenmann's donut, that was a bakery donut at some point. And a Drake's <laughs> coffee cake was a coffee cake from a Brooklyn bakery at one point. And then they so, got co-opted and morphed into these gross, <laughs> gross oil-filled things. But you're the one who wants to eat it. No, uh, And we all do. Yeah. And we all have these cravings now. And now we are kind of like... It seems like you're kind of like going in a in a fun way, like backwards, like back to the origin of like what a cheese whiz is. It's like an emulsified, you know, Mornay sauce, yeah. really. It's, um, oh gosh, now I can't even remember the word for my favorite, you know, con queso that I eat at the Mexican restaurants. Oh, like a fun, I don't like know. Like a fondue, but it's Mexican. I can't remember the word now. Oh, oh, Okay. <laughs> But or like you know like a you know burp oh, what's it called? Now I'm blanking. But a bechamel now, or something like yes, that. Yes, totally. It's the same, you know, there's so universal. neither of us can remember our <laughs> foreign food terms anymore today. Let's just call it cheese whiz. <laughs> exactly. So you got seventy recipes here. Um, what was the hardest one to figure out? Well, there would have been more, but there were some that just, just didn't, didn't work. work at all. So they they didn't make the cut for oh, me. I'd um, like to know what, what's one that... Well, oh, I, I admit this. The Ritz crackers were just... Really? I, for some reason, my Ritz and my club crackers, I could not differentiate between the two flavor-wise. Whereas mm-hmm. when you eat them, you can tell that there's a distinct buttery difference between the two. Mm. But I could not for the life of me... Figure out figure how to, out how to one make one ritzier hmm. and one clubbier. So is it artificial flavor? Maybe? I think it might be. Well, <laughs> so I ended up putting neither in the book, and now there are chicken and a biscuit crackers in the book instead, which oh, I love, and are disgusting, good. and I love them, <laughs> and they do taste like a chicken soup in a cracker. Well done. <laughs> um, okay, so. Oh, yeah, I'm but, trying to think of what the hardest one was yeah. to try to nail down. The crackers were surprisingly difficult. I, I give many kudos to Ivy Manning for writing a whole book on crackers because wow. after doing just one chapter on salty snacks, I was like, I'm done. All right. Let's move on to like the you fruit pies again. You have these goldfish in the book, which are delightful. Yeah. I love how you meet the little faces and the perfect size. And who doesn't love a handful of those? No one. That's like one of the first snacks that I think a lot of kids get because of how adorably cute they are. And I think that that is something that is just super imprinted into our and brain. That also strikes me as something that's going to smell and uh, just taste so much better freshly baked. I confess I made some for a book event on Saturday morning, had the event on Saturday afternoon. By Saturday at midnight, we had devoured the rest of the batch. <laughs> they really, they don't. 
they don't last. They get a little soggy after a few days anyway because they're made fresh. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't feel bad about eating all of the goldfish in one day. There's no artificial or preservatives, you know. No. Yeah. And God forbid it's a humid it's a day simple, like this. That's a simple food. Yeah. It is. That's good. Um, what about something like Twinkies and those, I don't know, Ho-Hos or whatever, the, the Hostess cupcakes with the squiggle? Those are very time-consuming to make. Uh-huh. It's a very, the elements themselves are very simple, but it takes forever. To mold them. To make a Hostess cupcake. Make them not yeah. fall apart. It's just, you know, it really makes you make appreciate yeah. when you eat something made from scratch that way because... They were it never made for like those ones are very industrially produced. They very yeah. they are. So I mean, you don't have to put the squiggle on the top unless you really want to. It doesn't add any flavor to the cupcake. Well, it looks you know it it just has somebody was brilliant when they designed that because it's just so um, distinctive. When you look at it, it's it's good branding. Instantly, it's branding exactly. Yeah, yeah. Did you actually have any problems with? Um, Copyright infringement when you're working on this? My publisher dealt with all of that. Okay. All right. I realized it was going to be hard enough for me to even figure out how to reverse engineer some of these snacks. So Mm -hmm. I have no legal expertise. So they were just like, hey, we're doing this. and I don't even know. You know, I never asked them. There's just a little disclaimer in the front of the book being like, you know, (laughs) these are not meant to be the exact recipes from these brands, you know. Okay. So... Non-compete, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, I don't know. That's good. Well, host, um, hostess can't come and sue me anymore anyway, can they? <laughs> right. So, okay, so you started just kind of playing and reverse engineering around with these with these snacks. At what point did you decide, I'm going to make, and this is your first cookbook, so at what point did you decide this, this could be a cookbook? Yeah, it was sort of a joke thing. I was, this was... This is how the best ideas are It really was. I was just joking around, you know, about people and their very serious cookbook topic ideas. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not serious about it. I'm writing a novel about pink peppercorns. Exactly. Everybody has these, you know, eat, pray, love style memoirs about food changing their lives. And this is like, I went to journalism. Oh, all those people. I hate those people. (laughs) I hate you all. (laughs) So this happened to me when I went to journalism school, too. Everyone was like, oh, I want to be Christiane Amanpour. Oh, I want to, you know, report from the front lines and change the world. I'm like, I really liked Sassy Magazine a lot. And (laughs) I kind of... Want to just hang out at Rolling Stone and be a writer? And I, I've never been able to take pretty much anything in my seriously. life seriously. So it was just a joke, being like, "What am I going to write a book on? Homemade junk food? Oh, oh, maybe I could." Yeah. And it looks so much better than the original. I mean, we talked a yeah. little bit about, um, you know, how like things should, could, and should be simplified sometimes and taste better, but. Um, like, for instance, the Cheetos that you made here. I mean, Cheetos aren't very beautiful to begin with. And they're garishly neon orange. Yes. And that's bizarre. But they look like a totally, not a totally different thing. Like, they still have that resemblance where you, you're like, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. Um, to me, they look a lot more appealing. And I'm sure they, they sound, you know, a lot more delicious. They, you know, there's something to be said for the neon food coloring because it does kind of shame you out of eating all of the Cheetos because it's it's like when you eat Garrett popcorn and your hands are stained <laughs> orange for hours afterwards. Um, 
I the Cheetos were one of the hardest recipes in the book um, because I originally had them being deep fried. Yeah. And people are a little averse to deep frying. So I reworked them to make them a baked Cheeto in the end. So mm-hmm. that's good. They are they are deliciously crunchy. I could not figure out the puffy Cheetos to save my life with Oh the big one? Oh. Yeah, like cheese doodles. But those aren't as good though. With home cook equipment, I think that that was a little bit out of Yeah, how do they do that? Well, well, you know what you could I do? I did do Funyuns. I have an idea. Yeah. You take packing peanuts and then you coat them in cheese. <laughs> yes. And then you feed I think them that, to unsuspecting I think that's dinner it. guests. I think I just nailed it. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that'll be another If anyone wants to buy me one of those high-powered extruder things that they <laughs> use to really make Funyuns and those kind of things, I would happily play with it. <laughs> So, Casey, are you saying that, like, when you make these snacks by yourself, you can eat as many of them? Of course. As possible? Well, we're, as opposed to- we're all going by the Michael Pollan dictum here that it's not junk food if you make it yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Because it's actual real food that you touched exactly. and you chose by and those put rules, it together. You can eat all the Cheetos if you want. Mm, happy medium, then. Yeah. So, um, what about... Uh, I mean, but the time and effort that you put into it, it would seem that you can't possibly eat so much of it anymore. Is that also part of the idea? Well, if you're like me and if you were, you know, spending the whole day working on three different recipes simultaneously and you were eating the dough as you were trying to figure the recipes out and making batch after batch after batch and sampling them, yes, by the time you finally nail the recipe, you really don't want to eat well, that's any perfect, of those then. anymore, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's a good, and that's what, you know, a lot of people, when they think about eating junk food, it's usually just for convenience sake. Yes. Oh. These are not convenient half the time. I'm, I fully admit that. Do they store well? Some of them? Some or? of them do. Some of them don't. Don't. Cause yeah. there's no added There's, there's preservatives. no preservatives. Yeah. The Twinkies will make it, I would say about. Four days max right. refrigerated. It's a, it's a cake. It's a, you know, it's an old timey like ladyfinger sponge cake filled with like basically, I can't remember if it's Swiss or Italian buttercream frosting. Oh, okay. But not with the butter. It's more like the marshmallowiness to it. But in a real Twinkie, it's not buttercream. No, it, it's the real It's twi- something shelf stable and creepy. It's like a, sh- it's a shelf stable marshmallow meringue, I think, uh-huh. in the Twinkie. I did eat every single one of these (laughs) snacks while I was... Oh, yeah. I was, like, pulling oatmeal cream pies apart and, like, licking Cool Ranch Doritos. Did you give some kids, like, a taste test, like, A and B? Can you guess which one is which? I sent everything into work with my husband because he works in a room full of guys because he works with Major League Baseball. So it's all these dudes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, report back. Okay. And what were the findings? Well, he would come back and be like, they thought they were good. I was like, no, 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 no. You have to be more descriptive about They can't just be good. So usually when the guy said, oh, this is better than the original one is when I knew I then had you're it like, right. Boom. Yeah. Perfect. Taste test uh, completed. Yeah. And they got free snacks. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? All right. So we're going to have a quick little musical interlude right now. And we'll be right back chatting more with Casey Barber. This one's called Hell Yes I'd Cheated by the California Honey Drops on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
But she gave me something Whoa, you know she did I've been missing at a home Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. You know, there's no more telling aspect, no more revealing virtue of a group of people having evolved in a lovely way than how they feed themselves, how they entertain, how they put food on the table, what they put on the table. Heritage Radio Network provides the clearest evidence that there's hope for us yet. Heritage Radio is like Fairway Market in that we both care deeply about what you're having for dinner tonight. Heritage Radio Network is not just about food, though. Every time I tune in, I learn something about things other than food, too. Architecture, design, stuff like that. But from where I stand, I still say, if you can't eat it, what's the point? For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Yeah, we live. We tried living together. Inside a house. In that little place by the lake. Oh, but it's never. But I never liked that place anyway. It's never been a home. Yeah, I'm here to tell you why I haven't been coming home quite as often. I'm not just talking about movie now. That we no longer share. Nah, baby. You know well, what else? I, I think you've gone a little, a little crazy. Cause I didn't know. You're still hoping. Did you know HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a member-supported nonprofit organization? If you like what you're listening to, go to our website and click that donate button. Become a member and get special discounts, invites, VIP treatment, t-shirts, and more. Support us in our mission to bring you the freshest food content in the nation. All right. We're back chatting with Casey Barber, the author of her first cookbook, which is all about reinterpreting uh, classic snacks made from scratch. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um and you're also the uh, the blogger of Good Food Stories. Tell me a little bit about what makes a story a good food story. Well, it's something that everybody has and everyone likes to talk about. So I think it's a good food story as long as it sparks a funny memory, a meaningful experience. So somebody who's like, oh, my God, I had the best uh, dinner the other day. Exactly. Like even just, yeah, straight up something Well, you know, simple. being from an Italian the Italian side of my family, we are always discussing past meals we've had while eating a meal, talking mm-hmm. about the next meal we're going to have while eating mm-hmm. that meal. So we tend to be a little obsessive over our food. But, you know, if you're telling me about the best dinner you have, you know, where did you have it? What did you eat? What made it so exciting? Was there something new in there? Did they prepare, like, your grandma's peppers in a whole new way that you never had before? Did it make you think of your grandma's peppers? Did it inspire you to get into the kitchen? Do you want to grow some peppers now? Like, what? What? There's what so much depth meal? to yeah. every single. It can go anywhere, right? Yeah. So, what do you have? Uh, maybe you're working on right now a story that's coming up. Oh uh, well, I'm way behind in recounting some of the meals I have. Um, you know, we I bring in contributors, and we really don't have a single focus. It's really tell me a story, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, it can go anywhere on the site, but. Um, I'm way behind in talking about some meals I had when I was in Atlanta in March mm-hmm. because people like it when I talk about... On your about, book tour? Yes, my, my quote-unquote book tour, <laughs> a.k.a. Where, where can Casey get herself next <laughs> and eat some food while she's there? But 
I definitely need to write about some good stuff I ate in Atlanta. And um, I've been rediscovering the gimlet lately. Oh, is that a southern, like, steep? Yeah. It is. It is. It's not... You know, the gimlet, I think, is another universal thing. It okay. came... It's It's really along the lines of the martini. You know, one of those very basic... In this case, two ingredient cocktails, not mm-hmm. even three ingredient cocktails. Gin and gin and lime cordial. Okay. And I was in San Francisco for the IACP conference, and I was lucky enough to take a bitters making class with Mark Bitterman of the Meadow. So nice. we had all these infusions in front of us, and about fifteen to twenty of us were sort of pulling together bitters that ended up reflecting the personality of everything. It was like this wow. weird psychological experiment. So you got to combine different essences or and yeah, make your own bitters? Exactly. They okay. already had like, listen, I do a lot of crazy experimental crap in my kitchen, mm-hmm. but I really don't want to go to Amazon and buy like 10 15, pounds of quasha or whatever <laughs> just to get two drops enough to do bitters. But there are, you know, there are excellent bitters companies out there that sort of do that right, thing for right. you. So that's sort of where my DIY line is drawn. Mm-hmm. But if someone has already infused the quasha and the gentian and all those crazy and you just roots, mix your own blend. You just dropper everything in and mix your own blend. That's so, so fun. So I was talking with a bitters maker out of Austin. Um, mm-hmm. That she runs a company called Bad Dog, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I was making my own lime cordial for gimlets now." And I was like, "Oh, what a great idea!" And that is easy, and that is something you can do at home. So, cool. instead of the nasty roses, like ecto cooler green stuff. Oh make, yeah! Oh my gosh! Make your own lime cordial. Ecto cooler. That was a blast. I love me some ecto cooler. I love me some <laughs> Ghostbusters all the time. I can't wait to see more about this. So and that's you can have a recipe, hopefully. Definitely a recipe. Nice. Yes, I've been. That has been my end of day drink now again. I'm sort of. It was something I drank a lot when I was first getting serious about cocktails because it was something simple and nearly foolproof. Yeah, I didn't realize that's very simple. Two ingredients. Yeah. It all comes down to. You know how you make the the one of them. Yes, so. but now you can add a few drops of citrus bitters. Or nice. another type of bitters on top of your gimlet, make it a three ingredient cocktail, and it sort of enhances maybe the aspects of it. Maybe next time you should try making the gin too in the bathtub. Me and Miss Hannigan. <laughs> That'll add a whole new dimension of uh, layers of flavors that you can make your own yes well that was the funny thing is i was researching this and now i'm like the whole post is going to be spoiled for everyone they won't even want to read it when i finally post it um the original gin for gimlets um is a basic british gin plymouth which doesn't really have any of those newfangled aromatics like it's not cucumbery like hendrix it's not like fennelly It's just a gin. It's not like overly junipery, uh-huh. and so the ideal ratio is that it just sort of blends, and you're not overwhelmed by one flavor or another. Mm-hmm. And I was sneaking it into my husband's gimlets because he's been a vodka gimlet man, and he oh. did not even realize I was putting gin in it. And it just enhances the lime just enough. I would think so. That sounds so, yeah. Yeah, like don't do. Oh, God, what is that terrible, like, Tanqueray or Bombay Sapphire, mm-hmm. which always sort of felt too overwhelming to me in the gin world. 
It's very uh, herbal yeah. and floral. Very right. pine tree. Yeah. But hmm. if you go, if you tone it down a few notches, the juniperness will not overpower nice. the lime, which I don't really feel like pine and lime go that well together pine in the first and lime. place. It sounds like a, it sounds like the failed <laughs> method or Mrs. Meyer's cleaning solution or something. <laughs> It does. It does sound like that. Well, thank you for spoiling that upcoming post for me. Um, And, you know, that's really cool that you also talk about drinks and the whole spectrum of food stories, food and drink stories, you could say. Yeah. Well, when you have a cocktail, you're more apt to tell a story or two. Right, right. And, um, you know, you blog in a more sort of long form um, format, I guess you could say. Um, Have you always kind of wanted to write a book? Um, I guess I always have. I've always, mm. well, I've always enjoyed like writing research papers. Right. And this book, I was going to say the, um, your sweets book here from scratch. Um, it, it really does have that feel of, uh, you know, the introduction is great. You really research the topic. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm constantly, I need an editor to cut me down when I have a lot to say. Well, it is, you know, there's a lot to say about, you know, when, you know, it's only been the last 50 or so years that we've had, you know, all these junk foods. And now we we think we hold them, you know, so dear and it's become such a cultural, you know, pop culture presence in our everyday it's lives. It's fascinating to actually stop and think about it for a moment. I know a lot more about the history of the junk food companies than I ever thought I would know in my life. Like when people ask me what the latest news is on... Mm-hmm. The hostess bankruptcy now, and I can rattle it off. Right, but it's not but. like a manifesto. It's like you know, love it or hate it. It's it's they're here. Yeah, and this I think that that's what people lamented when hostess went bankrupt is the more the the idea of the oh, Twinkie. Yeah, that was huge. Rather, because no one was eating the Twinkie. That's that why hostess true. was losing money. <laughs> yeah, I'm they surprised just, like, they didn't come up with the whole wheat. Uh, Twinkie. I'm surprised too, actually, because you know there are whole wheat Cheez-Its and whole grain fig Newtons, or, or just like write really in big uh, words across it. No, um, what is it? Trans fat? I guess no. Well, there aren't. They, they are trans fat. I don't know. No, I don't know the the actual ingredients that were in the real Twinkie. I think it was a lard originally. There was something in like there. the 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 cream filling. Or, you know, yeah, you see just, like, a lot of different branding, you know, no gluten and, you know. Maybe the Twinkie defies It does. Maybe you can't do it otherwise. Well, actually, but you've proved you can do it with, like, a basic cake ingredients and buttercream frosting. You would have to use whole wheat pastry flour, but I bet you could do it. Which is impossible to do it with a packaged product that isn't refrigerated. So, eh, rest in peace, Twinkies. They're coming back. They say they'll be back on shelves by July. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, see, I'm see, not keeping I, up with this. I unfortunately world. am. <laughs> you're, you're married to it now. How about um, future uh, cookbook ideas? Or Oh, gosh. I have a few. I know it I'm, just came out. I'm re- so. I know. I'm reluctant to talk about my ideas. But that you, I have you do want to. I have a few. That's yeah. exciting. I like the process. I like to be able to delve in depth into a single into subject. a single subject, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is definitely new. Um, there's no other cookbook like it, <laughs> you could say. So I'm looking forward to seeing what there's other. There's no other cookbook with such a focus on Western Pennsylvania junk foods, except for um, 
the, the cookbook on gobs that's out there. Gobs? Yes. What is that? Gobs are like whoopie pies, but they oh. are... It sounds pre- like a terrible name for a food. Welcome to Pittsburgh. We have really weird <laughs> names for things. So a gob is like the the Western Pennsylvanian God. style of whoopie pie. And it instead of like the fluffier frosting, sometimes it's a thicker buttercream style frosting. And sometimes it's even <laughs> yellow if you there, buy there them from There is a Yost. gob of... of- fluff in it yes it's 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 more like a frosting at that point there's a book about this yes um Stephen Gadula he hmm. was from the same county where I grew up in western Pennsylvania wow transplanted himself out to California amazing but, but you never forget your junk food roots wow well maybe you could do um a fast food uh cookbook that would require me to actually like eat a Big Mac, yeah. which I'm not really ready to to okay. go down that road yet. Yeah, there, we we all have our limitations at a certain point, I suppose. When you have Shake Shack, you don't really need to go back to a Big Mac. Well, and that would be a perfect example of reverse engineering it too. Well, it's really funny to think about. You know, we do we love junk food, we love fast food, and think about all of the chefs who have really gone mainstream with a very simple idea it has never been their big five-star concept that has brought them the big bucks meatballs meatballs shake shack witchcraft yeah you're right sandwiches yeah and to to a degree you're right a lot of people do this fast food or junk food concept to um to new heights yeah in a grown-up sort of sophisticated way um like your cheetos yeah we're a nation of fatties (laughs) no but uh, you know it's a it's a creative uh it's a creative endeavor and you know who knows what the future will bring um there's going to be a lot more inventive snacks that that hopefully we can recreate i hope so too well um Thank you so much. That's about all the time we have for today. But um, I hope everyone checks out goodfoodstories.com. And there you can check out more events, uh, readings, and where to get your hands on this book by Kesey Barber. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you again next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>